Uh, good afternoon. This is Bakes, Kevin Baker with Bakes Takes. Welcome to uh, a special podcast on Memorial Day. We usually record on Saturdays. This is Monday, May 31st. Uh, Mike, thank you for accommodating me. I really appreciate that. A uh, happy Memorial Day to all of you. And, and please, let's all remember and honor uh, the wonderful men and women of our armed forces that gave the ultimate sacrifice. Just drove by a... Um, uh, a, a family at the at the cemetery down the street laying flowers down, and it really kind of brought a tear to my eye. Uh, so God bless them, God bless you, and God bless America. Uh, and God bless my sons, Bobby and Jack. And this is the reason I do this. They're in their 20s. I love them dearly. And frankly, this is an excuse for me to connect with them on an almost daily basis. Um, I've uh, been in the investment business for 25 plus years. I've had successes. I've had failures. I've seen five firms and $80 billion evaporate, and I've got the scars to prove it. So uh, I'm taking all of my knowledge of, of all these years in mutual funds, hedge funds, institutional firms, and bringing them to bear with you. Uh, because you can't uh, learn this until you've had some pain, frankly, like everything else, which is why I use my touch the stove uh, analogy so much. Um, the My boys were in undergraduate programs, business programs. They'd have questions about projects, interviews, etc. And they'd fire questions at me. Their friends would join in and I get to coach young people, which I love to do in sports and I love to do in investments. So uh, you know, this is this is really half selfish to be blunt. I went through the '87 crash uh, and and learned m- more about myself, more about the street than I wanted to. Um, uh, I discovered that I didn't know what I was doing, and Wall Street analysts often don't know what they're doing. And so I uh, rectified that, and I went to school. Literally, I received my MBA, read everything I possibly could, uh, really dove into technical analysis, reading charts, which I uh, feature heavily on this podcast, as I'm sure you figured out. I go technical analysis first, fundamental second. It just works for me. You do what works for you. I read the Wall Street Journal. I I listen to Barron's. I uh, listen to podcasts. I monitor what my Google alerts bring. I devour a lot of stuff in the course of a week, and I hope deliver a half hour to you that's pretty rich in money-making thoughts and insights. And you tell me if I'm off the mark, but so far I'm getting good feedback, and so I'm going to keep going. Uh, I point you to everything I do. I always give attribution. Uh, But if you don't want to do that, know that I'm doing that work for you. It's second nature to me. I eat home cooking. I just talk about what I invest in, what I'm interested in. I have no conflicts. And I have questions for you. What are your pain points? What are problems you'd like solved or addressed? What are topics I should cover, elaborate on? Thanks for your feedback and support. I really appreciate it. Uh, th- I'm always going to have this free component of what I do, but I'm, I'm being I'm getting uh, calls for for different levels, and I want to offer premium services to those of you who are really interested in 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 going to other levels via Supercast or Patreon. I haven't decided which. Uh, things like having a weekly call with me would that be interest uh, of interest to you? Uh, a video call, perhaps. Uh, teach technical analysis. Go through sh- charts that you submit. Uh, on a more extensive basis than I can do here, given the time constraints we have. Uh, I want you to help me design the show. Uh, Tell me guests that I should reach out to uh, or shows that I should appear on. Uh, And I send texts to my sons when I do buys and sells. And would you like to be included in that? My number is 610-331-4283. Text me, call me. I'm an open book. Fire away. 
Uh, here's my disclaimer. This is not investment advice. Please conduct and share your own due diligence and the community wins overall. Uh, fan mail. I had a great exchange on, on Twitter with at uh, G Spatuzzi, GS. And uh, uh, he said, love your show. You were spot on on GME. I really appreciate those kind words, GS. Thank you. And please do another technical analysis on the stock as it stands now. Well, ask and you shall receive. So here's uh, the, the, the GameStop. And I really do this. I mean, I, I put my feet to the fire. This is GameStop. This is the chart that Mike and I put together for the April 24th show. And uh, lifted it right from the show notes and pasted it here. Here's the wedge that we talked about, I talked about. And here are the volume uh, confirmation points that really drove me to this. The volume was picking up on the up days and receding on the down days. And even though you had this monstrous move to 483, uh, it looked like it was, it was coiling for a move. Now, it could have broken down, and I left that possibility open, but it felt like, given the volume, we were going to the upside. So uh, underneath this here on the show notes, you can see the link uh, uh, that Mike carved out 26,000 plus views. We clearly hit a nerve, and I laid it all out there for everybody to see, and I'm doing it again. Here you go. This is what I said. Uh, I've done it, so it's not bragging. Uh, next, GameStop. This is uh, uh, May 25th. Uh, we 209.43. I, I harped on the 212 level on that first video that was so popular, and the reason being that we had a line across there that served as a gap and as a prior low that it looked important to me. And so we, we started going up, the volume started picking up, the relative strength is as good as it gets, 99. And so that's the uh, data point from May 25th. Now here's May 26th to the moon, 242.56 from 151. So, I mean, that's a pretty good move. What is that, 60% in a month, a little more than a month? And so it's all right here, uh, and, and you, you know I'm summarizing it here, but you can go back and look at the videos. Uh, the wedge lasted longer than I thought it would. It got very long in the tooth, but here on on April 26, this took off to the moon, 242 on on big volume. Next is the weekly chart from just this past week, just to put it all in context. And it's good to zoom out. I usually go weekly first and daily when I'm going through my 1700 plus charts, and I just did that. But here's GameStop uh, at, at 222 to end the week, and it, it's a pretty nice chart. It's a base. The volume is doing exactly what you want it to do. So uh, if you're a GameStop holder, you got to be pretty happy. You know, unless you top ticked it at 483, you're probably making some money. And if you're listening to us, I hope you made some money. Um, so now here we are. This is the daily uh, as of right now. This is GameStop again. To the, it picked up, look at this arrow, and please go to the YouTube channel if you're now you know, listening to this as you walk the dog or, or work out. Uh, broke out on two times volume, which is exactly what you want to see. That 212 level that I harped on was taken out, and the wedge worked to the upside. Now, it did what you would expect it to do. It hit 265 resistance, and this is for your direct question, GS. 265 resistance, which is a prior close that looked like a logical place to pause. And you go from 151 to, to 265, you've got a reason to pause. It's like doing sprints. So it hit the, that resistance, pulled back. I am not a hodler. I, I hold on for dear life. 
but if you are, I would suggest suggest that you would follow the what I did with the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. When you have huge moves like this, take out your original investment, especially if you're in at the you know 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Take out the original investment, giggle to yourself a little bit, and pat yourself on the back, and and now watch these levels. Okay, GS, this is what I'm talking about now. 348.50 is this prior high after the monstrous spike to 483. I think that's going to be uh, a little tough to go through. We're going to have to you know, build another launch pad, if you will, to use the to the moon uh, analogy. But frankly, there's not a lot of uh, uh, there were not a lot of transactions here. You know, most of the most of the the action happened below this 265 level. So it's going to get easier and easier. I can't believe I'm saying this. Easier and easier to get through these levels as we go forward. You can see it on the chart. There aren't people there. There aren't too many people that were were bag holders buying uh, from here to 348.50. They just weren't. They're probably just uh, 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 you know guys who were short the covered out of desperation and they're gone. And so anyway, uh, 483 is the next level. And frankly, I mean that's the zenith. That's the I mean the top tick of this this whole crazy situation. I can't fathom a fundamental catalyst that gets there. I keep talking about waking up on a on a Monday and a Tuesday in this case. Most of the deals happen over the weekend, where. They hire a CEO that makes everybody drool. They find a digital asset that they can merge with or spac with that that makes them epic to the sequel. And that's the only thing I can think of. And my powers of imagination fail me at, at that point, really. Uh, a short squeeze of, of any magnitude is much less likely here because we've had the weekend in Greenwich that I talked about. Meaning, if you, you watch Billionaire, you go to the pristine office where where uh, Steve Cohen or somebody else is up on the on the on the top floor. He taps the risk manager on the shoulder and says, "Hey, anything that's got a potential for gamma squeeze to to do the same thing that they did to Melvin, you get that exposure down yesterday, and it happens, and it's happened, and you see the short interest come down from 140 percent of the outstanding to something like." 10, 15, 20. I forget the number right now, but it's way, way down, and it should be. So, GS, I hope this helps. I welcome your future questions. If I can elaborate on this, uh, uh, DM me, tweet me, whatever, and I'll uh, I'll respond in kind. And so, you can't talk about GameStop in this world without talking about AMC. I mean, literally, it's the next thing out of out of uh, uh, people's mouths, and I welcome it. Uh, at uh, uh, I'm doing the same thing. Here is April 24th. There was another wedge that I uh, uh, drew, and it looked promising. The volume didn't look as good as GameStop, and I said that on the on the video. And but here it is at ten dollars. You know, down from that spike from uh, from twenty. And then on May 20th, there's a link in the show notes to the uh, update that we just gave. I did become more positive. And I did say that the volume was picking up and a short squeeze was more likely because it was something like 20% of the, of the float was, was short. I've got something like 93 million shares stuck in my head. Uh, big, big short interest. And so here you had some kerosene. My country song with Brad Paisley is number 10 on the charts, by the way. They mopped up the kerosene. Your matches don't matter now. It's a clunky title, but we're working on it. The... Um, and so uh, May 26th, I uh, this uh, uh, I didn't put this in the show, I don't think. Anyway, uh, 
we broke 1444, which I talked about in that, uh, that, that prior video. And this is what happens when I talk about resistance and support. Resistance to ceiling supports the floors. And when you take out resistance, what are you doing? You're in essence, you're telling a short that they're wrong and they have to cover. And they can argue with you if you want. But if there's a lot of shorts out there thinking the same thing, you get these kinds of parabolic moves. And so we went from 1444 to 1956 in a day, maybe two. It's just there in the chart. And, um, uh, and, and, and there you go. The next chart is, is the monthly. And I like to show these perspectives because it's good to know, you know where buyers and sellers have, have committed money in the past, where their pain points are, and, and where they're going to react. And it's, it's uh, you know, uh, I've been doing this for 25 years. It happens over and over and over again. And it's just my eyes drawn to this. I see it. And I hope I can make you see more of this in the future. The monthly, uh, going back for years, this is what, 2014-15, the highs, double top, by the way, uh, is at 33.50. And and we overshot that for about 11 minutes. I'm making that up, but it's about that brief. That resistance held. It might be, not be a coincidence that the largest shareholder, China's Dalian Wanda, sold most of its shares over the, that period of time. Is that smart money uh, uh, distributing to dumb money? I don't know. It's more likely someone with a cost basis that's got you know single digits, they see 26 to 30, and they say, thank you very much. And that's not a bad way to go through life. And so where are we now? Here's the weekly. We're at 26.12. That's a clear, clear breakout. We're probably going to pull back. Uh, it looks like we'll, we'll pull back on lower volume. That spike is on big volume at least two times to to break us above that 1444 level. So again, um, if you're a holder, I'd encourage you to be a partial holder. Take out your initial investment and let your winners run. So do that what you will. Uh, this is the the uh, iShares Russell 2000, the the small cap index. And this is astonishing to me. I've got a couple of points to make here. Um, number one, uh, GameStop is the number two stock in the small cap index with a multi-billion dollar capitalization now. AMC is number eight. So uh, I spend I spent a lot of last night and a lot of early this morning going through 1,700 plus charts for you, my wonderful subscribers, Every single ETF that's out there, I look at, and I look at everything from from silver to cannabis to shorting bonds to Brazil to China to Russia. I look at everything, and what I see here uh, are, and this is indicative of this. Going through all of them, I see extended tired charts, meaning the volume is picking up on the down days. It looks like they're rolling over, not dramatically, not cataclysmically, but just tired charts. That's just what I see. And sometimes doing nothing is your most profitable course. So uh, my second point here is that there's there's billions of dollars. I'll leave that up there, please, for a second, Mike. There's billions of dollars of small cap money managers out there that are, are paid to exceed this index every single year. And if you uh, lag it for one year, you get put on watch by New England pension consultants, etc. And then if you lag for a second year, you probably get fired. And so here's what happens uh, uh, tomorrow and the next day. The poor analyst that covers retail 
and or whatever you know leisure is retail for gme and and leisure for for movies uh has to go to their pm and say yeah i'm down a thousand basis points and the reason being is that gamestop is ripping my face off and and amc is ripping my face off and what do you do do you buy it up here on the spikes you probably can't justify that you can't probably produce a spreadsheet with a dividend discount cash flow model that says boy yeah this is cheap and undervalued but the consultant doesn't care and the client doesn't care. What they say is, I pay you to beat an index, and if I can go out and get it for free for IWM, that's as liquid as the day is long, why do I need you? And that conversation is happening in very uncomfortable circumstances in a lot of places, and I'm glad I'm not in those seats. But just a dynamic that you might want to pay attention to. So here's my take. Let the let it, these things run with your house money, with the house money, okay? GameStop. AMC. Uh, I don't think most of you will take my advice, but there you go. I'm, I'm, I offer my perspective at least. And the market overall is tired, and now we're in a news desert. We don't have earnings really until the middle of July. Selling may and go away is echoing in people's heads. Not a lot going on. You know what pushes stocks up, but frankly, what pushes stocks down a lot. I don't have a big catalyst. Uh, so, uh, but I don't have a new theme to present to you to have us dig into and, and research more heavily yet. But next month is going to be a whole different ballgame. So please share this with your Robinhood friends, your Reddit friends, your Wall Street bet friends, or just your friends, and 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 send an offer to them. Send their stocks and ideas to me. Uh, I'll offer a strategy for them as well, and please stay tuned. Next, my themes and groups. And again, I put my feet to the fire, and I show you exactly what I'm doing here is uh, uh, the 10 ETFs that I own. We're up 15.49% year to date. Not bad at all. And I'm still allergic to red. You look at the far right here, and since inception, I don't have any losses. Anytime I see down 15%, I shoot it like old yeller. And I don't have any. And I encourage you to be honest with yourself. Go to your portfolio and see if you have any old yellers. And if you have old yellers, go shoot them. They're rabid, and they're not going to come back in a good way. Most of the time, frankly, almost all the time, they take up time. They take up energy. They soak up capital. They hurt returns. And you want to cut losses and let your winners run. And that's what I'm doing here. And you can see my hashtags that I send out on social media. The the uh, you know also I do this in order for myself and 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 just to you know obviously highlight the 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 big winners. Uh, uranium is number one. It is crushing it. Frankly, it is it is a uh, uh, a great performer up a hundred percent plus from where we bought it. And the bull cases and thesis grows and grows and grows. More on that later in the show. Bitcoin, frankly, is a big winner, but looks dangerous to me. And uh, we, we're going to have a very interesting week to month where Bitcoin looks like it's it's in, it, it, taking on some technical damage. And, you know, this could be an Elon Musk tweet away from ascending or descending dramatically. And we'll see what happens. Cannabis, I still believe the cannabis story. It's becoming more widely known, but states need revenues, and cannabis is an easy way to get them. And sometimes it's just that simple. Uh, I believe in inflation. I think it's going to be more persistent than Powell thinks or anybody thinks. Why? Because I can read a chart. And I wish Powell had a, someone who could read a chart. 
I'm sure he does, but he hasn't figured out that copper going up 40%, which it's done for us, is is not going to turn around anytime soon from all the things that I'm seeing. We own the softs, sugar, soybeans, wheat and corn through one ETF called TAGS, and all of those are going north, I think, still. Blockchain, that's going up. Uh, retail is going up. Uh, that's a chicken way to play GameStop, I admit it. Um, it's about 4 now 5% of the index, but I'm participating in it that way through uh, XRT, the, the retail trust. I'm still short bonds, and I'm long silver, and everything's working, some better than others, but those are my themes. And I challenge you, you know, if you have a conventional account with a Merrill Lynch broker, your portfolio doesn't look like that. And if you're beating me, great. God bless you. You found something better. But uh, I find that, uh, uh, you know, going to the standard S&P groups and, and underweighting and overweighting slightly, it's very tough to outperform the market and it's tough to make money every single year. And that's what I want to do. I don't, I don't know if I can do it. But I want to make money every year and compound positive returns. And I'm trying to do that for you. And I hope I help in some way. So after 1,700 plus charts, I don't have a new theme to offer. You send them to me. If you see something that I haven't, I am all ears. Uh, my take, uranium looks great. Bitcoin does not. And I'm going to be honest with myself and with you. And uh, if this becomes old yellow, so be it. Uh, Bitcoin is going to go away in this part of the portfolio. I do think it ought to be, you know, sort of a, the, the base of that pyramid that I've shown. You own cash, you own gold, you own Bitcoin for, for uh, you know, when the levy breaks. And I think that makes sense given the crazy world we live in. I think inflation is still likely more persistent and less transitory from all the things I see, listen to, and read. And I'll uh, alert you if that changes. But uh, here we go. Uh, podcasts of the week. This is Macro Voices. Larry McDonald is the editor of the um, uh, Bear Traps Report, and it's a great newsletter. I recommend it highly. I have something from there almost every week, but to hear his case in his own words, I think was really great. Eric Townsend is the, the, is the host of Macro Voices, and here's what they talked about at about 20 minutes. And this is how full service I'm trying to be. I'm really trying to cut the wheat from the chaff and direct you to the points that I think are the most impactful for you making money. So at about 20 minutes, there's about six, seven minutes, a treasure trove, in my view, of what's going on in what Larry calls the ESG situation. And uh, I, in the next 12 months, he thinks there's going to be a spectacular resurgence in oil and coal. And I know some of you are breaking out in hives as I say that and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, taking your, your New York Times and throwing it against the wall and, uh, uh you know, the left leaning out there are, are, are going apoplectic. But here's his case. India was in lockdown recently. COVID situation is god awful. Oil didn't move. Should have gone down 20% easily given the news that's out there. And I agree with him. That shows the kind of demand that you have for oil. He's calling for hundred oil, $100 oil in the next 12 months. And given what steel's doing, you use metallurgical coal in steel and uh, so you have the, the coal demand that, that is uh, uh, creeping up as well. So I didn't find anything on either front, a chart that really jumped out at me. They also look extended and tired. But, uh, you know, I'll go back and revisit and I'll change my tune if I find it. Um, he is an ESG backfire basket. 
and he thinks there's going to be a big supply problem in the driving season next year, 1Q, 2Q of, of 2022. And he puts a pretty co- compelling case together in the, in the story. Uh, and China and India are working hard to take their, their, their coal consumption down and nuclear up, which brings us to the U.S. John Kerry has flipped. Jennifer Grantham, the head of, of the Department of Energy, has flipped. The Biden team has flipped, and he thinks this is an opportunity 10 times what's going on in oil. I agree with him. 20, by t- uh, 2025 to 2030, we're going to be short 10 million pounds of uranium. I mentioned I like uranium, right, Mike? Okay, I'm not being vague. Uh, and also, this has the double whammy of becoming a national security problem. Most, The vast majority of, of uh, uranium is mined uh, outside of the U.S., and we have you know, dramatic energy needs. Natural gas and coal prices are going up. It makes nuclear more competitive. Over the last 10 years, uh, the utilities, the uranium buyers, you know, didn't really have to do anything because of Fukushima. We talked about that. But now the institutions are starting to get in front of this and anticipating the, the dramatic buying needs that the, that the utilities are going to have to buy uranium to fuel their reactors. And so the unintended consequences of government and this ESG movement, as politically correct as it is, is to uh, uh, favor, co- favor solar, favor wind, and, and, and downplay nuclear. Well, nuclear is the answer. It's not the, the, uh, the problem here. So you also are looking at a very small pool. $21 billion you can buy every uranium stock that's out there. Bitcoin, by, by contrast, is half a trillion dollars. Dogecoin, which by their own admission, the creators, is a joke, is $50 billion. So put that in perspective. You can power nuclear reactors or you can speculate with Elon Musk depending on the day and his mood. So, uh, and this is what summed it up to me. Uh, this is the best, this is Larry McDonald saying this, and I, I concur. This is the best risk-reward trade I have seen in my life. Uh, and he spent years at Lehman, so this is not off the cuff. Uh, he thinks the upside is five to eight times and the downside is 40%. And he mentioned by name URNM, URA, which we brought to you back in July of last year. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary. And I get video evidence of that on the YouTube channel. So uh, I think I'm adding value here, folks. Again, I've done it, so it's not bragging. And uh, the uranium story, um, if you want me to go into a, in more depth down the road, let me know. I can re- revise uh, and, and uh, replenish the, uh, the information here. But we're right, and we're going to stay right. I believe. So my take is, uh, you know, it happened the other day. I had a, you know, fans come up to me and ask for ideas, and I keep saying uranium, and they act like I kicked their puppy, and and their eyes glaze over, and they want me to say Tesla, or they want me to say Dogecoin, or they want me to say whatever else is in their portfolio. Frankly, which is what most of us do, we want to have someone validate our book. But I'm telling you, uranium, URNM has more to go, in my view, and I've got my money there, and uh, I hope it's helpful. And we'll talk more if you want to. Next, uh, charts, tweets, posts of the week. This is Jeffrey DeGraff. Uh, Haven't talked to him in a while, but met him several times in the past. And uh, puts up a a point-and-figure chart of, of Bitcoin. And as, you know, a lifelong... Uh, uh, reader of charts, interpreter of charts, I immediately go, ding, 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 this is Danger Will Robinson. This is a head and shoulders top. It is an ugly chart. 
and you have a neckline here of pretty much where we sit, 30,000. And he says, yeah, okay, the bounce is, is, is good, but it, it hasn't reached any hurdle to call it something significant. And I agree with him. You need subsequent new highs. Uh, point and figures don't use volume. I That's why I go towards the charts that have volume. But uh, here's what my eye is drawn to. You, you take out 30,000 meaningfully, you're going to 20. You got an air pocket that, that's there. There's no support to speak of. So if you thought it hurt to get cut in half, the next third, 30 to 20, isn't going to feel that much better. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying if you see uh, meaningful time spent under 30,000, we've got a problem and, and uh, Bitcoin is going down. And I'm going to react to it, and I hope you do too. Uh, this is Danielle DiMartino Booth, the um, very bright lady. Worked. Uh, she runs the the Quill, I believe, is the publication. She uh, worked in the Federal Reserve of Dallas for uh, for years. Very very bright. Whenever she's on, I would stop, turn the volume up, and listen to her. And uh, she has a trio of charts that scream: home buyers have hit their price pain threshold. And I don't know about you, but I've got someone coming up to me. I want to buy a house for my folks. I want to buy a house. I'm being showed dumps. They're going for 20000 over asking, and the list goes on and on and on. And the main one that, that caught my eye was this last one. Buying conditions uh, for, for houses is the worst it's ever been, period, end of discussions. And, uh, uh, and I think there's a lot of anecdotes to, to, to point to that. I've just got a personal note in the take that I'll, that, I'll, that I'll bring up. So here's my take. Short term, Bitcoin looks suspect to horrible. And if it breaks 30,000, get ready for 20,000. And you're not going to have much time to do anything about it. It's going to be an elevator. You take escalators up and elevators down. And, and I think this is going to happen uh, with Bitcoin. And uh, on a personal note, if you don't love a house and it's not going to be where you're going to be for the next 10 years, uh, rent. You know, this. The, 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 if you feel like you've got a gun to your head to, to buy something, I would say walk away. And I know that's tough to do. I know that's brutal to do. Uh, but, you know, view housing as a consumption item and not an investment. And I think you'll be better served. So I hope that's helpful. Uh, that's the show, folks. Please also subscribe to my Bakes Takes YouTube channel. The audio is the same, but the charts that I reference are on the screen. Follow us on Twitter at Bakes Takes underscore and other social media Please, please use your voice memo app, tape your questions, and email to bakes at bakestakespodcast.com or write if you'd prefer. I'll keep you anonymous if you'd like. Thank you for listening. Mike Wilson is my producer. Thank you as always. Have a great week. This is Bakes. And for much needed levity, uh, this is Tom Segura, Disgraceful. It is R-rated, but it is funny. And I think we all need some, uh, some, some, uh, some laughter. And uh, happy Memorial Day to you. I will see you soon. Take care. Bye now.